We're in the book of Hebrews. We're in the book of Hebrews. And um, I want to read you. I'm going to focus on uh, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, the first couple verses. All right. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I want to talk about the race. What is the race that is marked out for us? It seems like it's a pretty important race. What is it? This, the picture that this passage gives us is that the heaven stadium is packed with all the saints who have gone before us. And they are watching and they are cheering and they are, they are there watching us do our race. They're watching us race and they're encouraging us. And, they're, and, and I think that's where a lot of some of the Orthodox tradition, you know, has patron saints that they're, they're saying, you know, pray for us, that kind of thing. And they're, they're getting that from this passage because the saints obviously have access to us to be able to see us. And, 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 and they're watching us do our race. And it's an important race. The race is actually the reason that we're, we're, we're supposed to get lean. The race is the reason we're supposed to get focused. The race is the reason that, 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 that we, we, we cast off the things that, that distract us and get in our way. It's the reason we fix our eyes on Jesus, the race. And when the scripture says, that, 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 let us run the race that's marked out for us, it implies something really powerful. It implies that we are all given a unique, unique race to run. The race that you are running, no one's ever run before because no one's ever been you before. It means that we are all given a matchless life to live. And yet we're so tempted to try to be like everybody else when God made you, you. It's funny, I was sitting with a, I was at Green Bay Bible Camp this week doing some talks and, uh, and I was sitting with this dad um, what was he talking about? Oh, we were talking about the pentatonics, and he loves them too. You know, I actually am listening. Last week, I listened to their Christmas album uh, for, for an entire day. And, um, and so this guy, uh, Craig, was saying that, that he loves those guys, and, and he said, often I will serenade my family, you know, because he thinks he's the fifth or sixth person in the group. And, 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 uh, and he looks to his 14-year-old kid, and he said, isn't, isn't that right, Tom? Isn't that right? I do that all the time. And this kid rolls his eyes back. He goes, you do you, dad, I'll do me. <laughs> you do you, I'll do me. And that's really, and so, you know, what well, we've been given this matchless race. You, you've got to do you. I'm going to suggest to you that the race is much bigger than just doing what's right and not doing what's wrong. The race is so much bigger than, than dancing by numbers, by, about a Obeying all the right rules. It's bigger than that. In fact, I'm going to suggest to you that your race is about your calling. Your race is about the dream that is alive inside of you. It's the dream that is so central to who you are that if you lost it, if you did not have it, getting up in the morning would be a waste of time. 
As God's image bears, he created us with a God-sized, a God-shaped heart so that we could contain God-sized dreams. We have God-shaped hearts to, to be able to contain, to sustain, to, to, to actually bring and birth God-sized dreams. You know when the Bible says that without a vision, my people perish? It says without a vision, they cast off restraint, they cast off discipline. That, that, prof, that vision he's talking is, is, is about an understanding. When God puts a dream, a calling inside of you, now you know what to invest your life in and you don't spread it out all over the place. It gives you something to run towards. It gives you something to focus on. Is it possible, think about this, if this is a new thought for you, just ponder it before you throw it away. Is it possible that God... Uh, he, he, he gives you your future on the playground of your imagination. Is it possible this thing that you have called an imagination, it is so big and wonderful. Have you ever noticed how uh, a thought, when you take a thought and, you, and you, you meditate on that thought, you roll that thought over and over and over, it moves to your imagination and when it gets to your imagination, now it becomes breathing, living, Dimensional thing. It's multidimensional. It's no longer just a, a static thought. All of a sudden, the thing's got life. And I don't know about you, like my imagination is fantastic. <laughs> so is yours. That's why the book is always better than the movie. It's why the book is always better than the movie. Because you're processing these, the story and it's dropping into your can, onto the canvas, onto the playground of your imagination. And the characters are larger than life. So why wouldn't God put your calling right there? Why wouldn't he put your dream right there on the canvas of your imagination? You will never become what you do not dare to dream. You will never become what you do not dare to dream. You may not become everything that you dream, but you will not become what you do not dream. So make room for his dreams. Make room for his callings. Make room for God to drop something in there. So today, I want to take this passage and I'm going to do, try and do three things in measure. Three things in measure. Um, I want to inspire you to open your soul to the place where you say, Father, give me a dream. If you don't have one, say, Father. And it doesn't matter if, you, if, if you're 25 or you're 55 or you're 75. You know what? Dreams are constantly coming. It, that, was, that was a chapter. You said, well, I already got my dream. Well, that was last chapter's dream. What about this chapter? That was your 34-year-old dream. You know, what about this chapter? God, go ahead, put it in there. Drop it in my soul. Number two, I want, I want to stir and arouse and, 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 and quicken the thing that's, that, that's maybe gone to sleep in your soul. And number three, I, I want to... Make it so real and alive for you that you, you value it and you protect it. Okay, Those three things hopefully will happen. Your, your, your dreams really are God's way of whispering into you so that, that you're more than you think. That there's more to you than you could possibly know. If there's one thing I know about when God puts a dream inside of you, it's always bigger than you. It's all Because it calls you. If it's the same size as you are, it's not calling you. If it's bigger than you, then, you, then, you, then, then it's what he's calling you to become. 
Never underestimate the significance of dream when God puts it in your heart. Because they're a foretaste of your destiny. The dreams that are inside of you, and most of us were never given permission to actually play around in here and to take serious the things that God puts onto our souls. But really, what if, you, if you're taking it seriously, what you are looking at in here is a foretaste of your destiny. It's a foretaste of what you are becoming and what he's purposed for you to become. Let's, let's, let's look at um, Abram for a second. In Genesis chapter 12, and by the way, uh, there was a... There was a glitch in the process, so we, we don't have slides. And the glitch was I, I, I didn't send them to Taya. Um, and and uh, that was the glitch. I am the glitch, uh, actually. And the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country. Now, this is really a big deal. Okay, listen to this. He said, go from your country, from your people, and from your father's household to a land I'll show you. And then God says, and I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great, and I'll bless those who bless you. In fact, I, all, the, all the peoples of the world, all the people on the earth, he says, will be blessed because of you. All right? I don't know how God spoke to Abram, because we say it all the time, well, God, God spoke to me. He didn't speak to you. He communicated to you. He impressed something on you. And in fact, you're not even sure of that. You just think it was God. We don't know how he communicated to Abram. And maybe that's not important. But somehow Abram was introduced to God. He got a revelation of who God was. And somehow it was revealed to him that God is going to bless him. And God has a future for him. And God has a hope for him. God's inviting Abram into a story that is way, way, way bigger than he is. But first he had to let go of everything that was familiar. Everything, he defined himself by his, by his land and his people and his father's house. He, that's who Abraham was. And God says, I'm going to get you to let go of that because you cannot hang on to that and fulfill this. And so you need to let go of that. But in so many ways, I wonder if God is just saying to Abram, can you imagine Abram? Imagine this, that you have more descendants that there is sand in the, on the sea. That there's more, more sand, in, and there's a lot of sand in the sea. Could you imagine you have more, more kids than that? Abram, your grandkids will be kings and rulers of nations around the world. Abram, that barren wife of yours, she's going to have a baby. Can you imagine holding your son? Can you imagine? Abram, can you imagine? All of that working on, 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 his, on his imagination, all of it growing there. And at some point in time, remember last week I was talking about God's glory? You see, an imagination like that, however the communication was given, if it was just you saying to me, I have, I, I've got a bridge, you're gonna, this is a great deal. If you just buy, the, you know, give me $100,000 and you could sell me anything and you might be the best salesman on the planet, but I'm, I'm not going just because you promised. Unless, of course, the words are so weighty, so full of glory. And, we, and, and when, 
When we talk about the glory of God, we, it, we're really talking about his weightiness. If a boulder falls into the water, the water gives way around the boulder because the boulder has more glory, more weight than the water. And when God's words get dropped into your soul and his pictures get dropped into your souls, it doesn't matter if your capacity isn't to, as big as the boulder. You, you, your whole life gives way to those things. When they are God, they are weighty and they have glory. And that's the only, these words that God gives to Abraham must have been so weighty and glory because they, 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 he let go of everything. When it says that, 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 that he, he let go of his country and his people and his father's house, you, you need to understand that the, the, the land that they lived in at that time wasn't real estate. It wasn't real estate. That word didn't even exist. They didn't flip the land and buy more land. Are you kidding? They belonged to the land. The land didn't belong to them. They belonged to the land. It was the land that nourished them. It was the land that gave them life. It was the land that was there for their father and their grandfather. It was the land that was there for uncles for as far back as they could imagine. It was the land that gave them. It was the land that gave them a hope and it was the land that gave them a future. It was the land that provided everything. If they had a life, it was because of the land. If they had a hope for the future, it was because of the land. When they thought of their kids and their grandkids and their grandkids' grandkids, it was all in the context of their land. And he's saying, I want you to let go of your hope. I want you to let go of your future. I want you to let go of your identity. Because when you walk away, you walk away from your inheritance. You walk away from it all. That's how much glory God's words must have had, how much weight they had for Abraham to leave. And the only people that wandered around landless and homeless were people who were hopeless. And Abraham says, I'll go. And he leaves. And when he leaves, he's leaving human, the human economy of, of logic and reason and tradition but he's entering into a God's economy of where, where, where the impossible is possible. He's entering into uh, an economy that, that he doesn't know much about, but an economy that is so rich and so, uh, so powerful that he can't even imagine it. He leaves that which is familiar and pursues the dream that's in his soul, the words that were spoken over his life, he leaves that which is familiar to that which is unknown. And some of you, the, the dream is dying inside of you because you're clutching to the side of the pool so hard. You're so afraid. There's a future waiting for you, but if you're not careful, your past will steal it from you. There's a future waiting for you. There, there, there's a person that you are becoming that he's called you to become. But until you let go of who you were, you'll never achieve the person that you're called to become. Until you stop defining yourself by, by all the critical words of the past, by, by your epic failures in the past, until you let go of that, you're not going to get pulled into your future. You see, your present moment, this day, your present is either a womb or a tomb. It's either a womb or a tomb. It's a womb for the future. Or it's a tomb, a place where the future dies, right here. And 
Great lives were born out of great dreams, but the dream needs a person to bring it to life. And so God, God, God said to Jeremiah, do you remember he said, I know the thoughts that I have for you. He said, to give you a hope and a future. When Abraham let go of his family, his father's house and his land, he lost a hope and a future. And the father says, the hope and the future that I have for you is enormous. The story is so much bigger than what you walked away from. By the way, that's exactly what the future feels like when it's birthed inside of you. It feels like hope. You know this. An idea, a picture drops in your soul and it explodes. It's like a, it's like, like it just, there, 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 there's flavor and light and excitement and joy and it's all, and it feels like hope. And that's important because when you know what the future feels like, you, you, you know what to walk towards and you know what to protect. And so often the future comes to us in the present, but the present is so crowded. It's so noisy. You're so busy that you miss it. We always think the future is going to be birthed tomorrow, but it's birthed today, but you're not listening. So if you don't know what the future feels like, you won't stir it up. You won't, you, you won't stir it up. You know, when God comes and he speaks into your soul, sometimes I think he just wants to hold us in the can you imagine. You don't stay there because at some point in time, you're going to have to start walking. And, 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 the, and, it's, and it's not an easy journey. I, I'm, I'm, let me tell you this. You, you, the thing that's birthed inside of you, the, what stands between that being fulfilled or not being fulfilled, is, the thing that, that determines if you achieve it is, is basically faith and courage. Okay, once, but, but, but once it's birthed, and it's birthed and it's alive, now that's up to you. Faith and courage is how you fulfill the dreams that God puts in you. But think about this. I think sometimes he wants to hold us in that place where, where, where the things are living and growing inside of us. He says, can you imagine? And when, when, you can, when you hold on to it, really, when you honor it, it's like taking your heart and throwing it into the future and say, you stay there. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm going to see that fulfilled. I'm going to become that. When um, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy in, in uh, 1 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7, and, and he says this, he said, Therefore, stir up the gift which is in you. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. You see, What's he talking about? He's talking about faith, really. But what had happened here is that, that Paul is, 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 is Timothy's a young guy, this young pastor, okay, with a lot of responsibility. And, he, and he's pastoring a very large congregation, and, and he's pastoring a congregation of Christians in the middle of time of tremendous persecution. And, and, and so somehow he has to navigate these people through all of this pain and all of this persecution, and he's terrified because his right-hand guy, the guy that has supported him, the guy that has coached him, his mentor, his coach, this seasoned warrior called Paul is in prison awaiting execution. 
And so Timothy's alone and he's terrified and he's depressed and he's overwhelmed. And this is what Paul says. Timothy, stir that thing up that's inside. You know what he's saying? He said, Timothy, that thing that's inside of you, it's real. Stir it up. That thing is the key to your future. Stir it up. Feed it. Get inspired by it. Talk about it. Don't let it go. Don't let it die. That thing is real. You know, um, I was trying to think if I told you the story. I think I've told you all my stories, so I'll just tell it to you again. Um, uh, so I was thinking I was in my 20 or 21. And, um, oh, I know how old I was. I was uh, 22. I was 22 because I just started working for my father. Um, I was a painter, a house painter. I, just, I got my ticket. And uh, then my dad hired me into his company once I got my ticket. And, um, and I remember... Uh, there was a guy coming into, I heard about a guy coming into Calgary. That's where we lived. And um, he was a, a, a preacher. And, and he was going to speak in a high school. Well, I never heard anything like that in my entire life. Because I, I've yet to find a preacher who could hold my attention and I'm saved. Never mind the attention of 2,000 students in a school. And I, I thought, I'm, I'm going to go see. And this will be a wonder to behold or this is going to be a bloodbath. You know, and I thought, I just got to see this. I got to see. It. I don't know what was drawing me, but I was just curious. I heard about it. And so my father gave me uh, an hour or two off it to, to, to go to Crescent Heights High School. And I was so nervous. I was so nervous for this poor sucker. I was just, because high school, that, have you walked through a high school? It, they, 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 they kill their wounded. They eat their dead. Like it is not an easy place to do anything, Okay. And, 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 and I'm standing at the back to give me this visitor badge and I'm just standing at the back wall. Oh, I was nervous. 2,000 kids, 2,000 children and adult bodies pile into this place. And, and they hadn't had an assembly in that school for several years. And they introduced, his name was Rich Wilkerson, not David Wilkerson, who's from Teen Challenge, another guy. And Rich Wilkerson, he, he gets up there, and he looked so cool. He was just cool. He, he was unlike any minister I'd ever seen. I mean, this would have been 1982, and he had a blonde afro. Very, very cool. <laughs> he had an anchorman mustache. Very, very cool for 1982, Okay. <laughs> And, and, and he, he was just cool. And he got up there and he talked about, uh, you know, he talked about kids' lives. He talked about sex. He talked about responsibility. He talked about honor. He talked about all, all the issues that, 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 were, that the kids were working through. And, and, and then after 20, and he was funny. Oh, he was funny. He was just he was amazing. 22 minutes go by. You guys must have heard him in Toronto, right? And, and 22 minutes go by. And the place explodes. Everybody's on their feet and they are clapping and cheering and whistling. It was only then that I realized my shirt was soaking wet. It was only then that I realized I'd been crying for I don't know how long, standing at the back, absolutely mesmerized by this man's talk. It was only then that I realized I had just touched a picture of my own destiny. In that moment, God gave me a picture, a living, breathing picture of something that he was calling me to. 
And I, 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 I left there and talk about wonder. Talk about everything being displaced, everything being moved around, all the furniture now shifted around this. And I got to the job and I got my dad's attention and I, I said, you got to get and we're sitting in his paint van. Now, I'm not sure. I mean, that, and then that was magical. And I think that was more about all the open lacquer thinner bottles. But, but um, that's another story altogether. Um, but I'm talking to my dad. And I said, and then I fell. And dad, and he said, and he said, and he said, and he said, and he said. And guess what? My dad is bawling. Now, that's pretty normal. Okay, that has nothing to do with uh, my dad's pretty emotional. But from that day forward... Somehow, nobody told me to protect this thing. Nobody told me that this is even possible because what I saw was so far ahead of, so much bigger than, than anything I could have been at that moment. It was way beyond my capacity, way beyond my skill, way beyond my gift mix, way beyond anything that I was. And yet somehow I knew to protect this thing. And so whenever I had a chance to talk to a safe person, I told them the story. And it was the real story. Stir it up inside of you. Stir it up. Abraham, is it possible that we have his story and even today he's, he's daring us to imagine? By the way, God always claims more for you than he explains. He always claims more for you than he explains. You don't have to understand how it's going to happen. That's where we really get tripped up. You go, I'm going to have an afro and a great mustache and a really cool voice. And I'm going to be funny and engaging. How, how, how is that even possible? I can't grow a mustache. How is that even possible? My hair's straight. How is that even Do you know what I'm saying? And you can spend a whole lot of time letting go of the thing. Because you, you, you're wondering about processing, but, but God always claims for you more than he explains for you. Great lives are born out of great dreams, but great dreams need people to bring them to life. In order to, uh, to run the race, and in fact, I'm going to invite the band to come up because I'm almost done here. Wow. If the talk was too short, you can get your offering back at the end of the service if, if you want. Um, so there's three things that you need to, to, to really ask yourselves, three really, really critical questions that you need to come to terms with. The first one is, where am I going? The second one is, who am I becoming? And the third one is, what should I be doing? Where am I going? Who am I becoming? And how does that form and inform what I'm doing today. When it says uh, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. He's calling us to focus. Because focus is the key to perseverance. Have you, have you ever noticed that the re greatest resistance in your life always comes as you're closing in on the greatest opportunities? It's one thing to have the dream and the vision. As you start moving towards it, it seems the closer you get to it, it seems that the tension, the resistance increases. And so, so, you, so you, you, in order to, to 
enter into the greatest opportunity, you have to fight against the greatest resistance. And the way you fight against the greatest resistance is with focus. You focus on what God's put in there. You focus on what's alive in there. And by the way, there, there, there is no such a thing as a sacred dream and a secular dream. There is no such a thing as a sacred or secular. They're all sacred. If God put a dream in you to become a lawyer, it's a sacred dream. If God put a dream in you to become a mechanic, it's a sacred dream. If God put a dream in you to train horses, it's a sacred dream. God called you to preach. It's a sacred dream. It's a sacred. They're all sacred. But when you are focused, you are absolutely powerful. You know what? When you take a magnifying glass, take a magnifying glass, you know what a magnifying glass basically does? It takes all of the, the rays of the sun within the sphere of the magnifying glass and, and, and it focuses on a point. It focuses on one point. And when it gets to that one point, one point, when it gets focused to one point, that's when things ignite. And where there is focus in your life, there will be fire. I promise you. Where there is focus, there'll be fire. And when you're on fire, you're focused. And you know what I think is interesting as I was thinking of this, how often are we saying, God, give me more. Give me more. Give me a bigger magnifying glass. Lord, just give me a bigger magnifying glass. More resources, more capacity, more money, more whatever. Give me a bigger magnifying glass. When really, at the end of the day, you don't even focus the one you got. You don't need more resources. You need more focus. And the way we get rid of the things that slow us down is that we get rid of the distractions that, that steal us. You know, it's not so often the, 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 the big evil, the big, dark, demonic that slows us down. The devil doesn't even have to waste his time because we're all so ADHD, man. We are all so, whoa, I'm gonna do that. It's, it's because we, we say yes to so many things that we're actually just not brilliant at anything. One of the most powerful focusing words on the planet is respectfully, no. No. And hey, listen, and, and don't say yes to everything we invite you to either. Just because we're running an event doesn't mean you have to be here. No. Because for you to be amazing, you can't be here five nights a week, four nights, maybe not even three, two, maybe one night a week for you to be amazing at what God's called you to do. So it's, don't let people take your focus from you. The other thing is that we, the thing that steals our focus is we don't know where we end and everybody else begins. We're so afraid of what other people will think. We're, we're paralyzed by it. How can you run when all you care about is what the people in the stands think about your outfit? I'm, I'm convinced that nobody's sprinting a race. No sprinter cares who's cheering and who's not. They are focused. They're running a race. You don't know where you end and somebody else begins because why are you fussing and fuming over what they did? Who cares? You do you, they do them, right? Just, you get so distracted and so sifted by all of these things. It says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Why Jesus? Real quickly here, he's the author. 
He's the, author of, he's the author of that thing, and he's the finisher of that thing. You keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the author of your calling, and he is the finisher of your calling. He's the author of the, of the God-sized dream that he's put in you, and he's the finisher of it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your your Holy Spirit. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is so active and beautiful and alive. And Father, you made us, you made us each so uniquely. We are so individual and unique, and you've given us each such a beautiful, such a beautiful matchless life to live. And not only did you make us matchless, but Father, you gave us matchless dreams and and capacities and Father, I, I pray right now. I pray for those whose dreams gone to sleep. I pray, Holy Spirit, that even today that you'd, you'd waken that thing. You know, Let it rise up again. Let it breathe again. Let color and dimension come back into that dream. I pray, Father, for those who have been... Uh, that God is in the waiting, that they've been waiting and they've been holding on. And I pray, Father, that their hearts would be encouraged again by your word this morning. In Jesus' name. And just like dreams and, and, and callings are birthed in us, if there's somebody in the room today and you, you don't really, have, this is kind of a new thing for you, church is kind of a new thing, but you're feeling like even just your relationship with God is being birthed in you, and Father, then I'm just going to invite you just to, to, to open your heart and say, God, I think we're beginning a relationship, and I'm going to invite you to come in. I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'll do that. I'll lean into that. Just, just tilt your... You don't, you don't need to become a missionary. Just tilt your heart towards him. That's all I'm asking you to do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.